Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Accord Research Alliance podcast, where we talk about measuring what matters in Christ-centered relief and development. I'm Nathan Maloney, one of the co-hosts for this podcast, and I work at Living Water International as a Senior Director for Program Development. And I'm excited. Today, I'm talking with Stacy Mom, who is Senior Programs and Knowledge Manager at the Joint Learning Initiative on Faith and Local Communities, or as we often call it, JLI. And as as a network and as a research alliance, we've been engaging with JLI over the years. If you were at our intensive last October, we had uh, Gene Duff, who leads JLI, presenting to us. And we're planning on continuing to uh, engage heavily with, with them over the, the coming years. And we actually are planning on having Olivia Wilkinson, who is their director of research, with us at Accord this year. And so we're really excited about the partnership. They've uh, provided a lot of great resources to us as a network. They also help facilitate conversations with policymakers, academics, um, government officials that I think some of us uh, within our organizations have participated in, and, and it's also a great opportunity for many of us moving forward. So I'm looking forward to the conversation with Stacy. I'm hoping to talk more about what JLI does, what resources they have available, what some projects they're working on are, um, because they're a great resource, again, for us as an alliance, and it's helpful to know a little bit more about them. Before I get into it, though, let me just mention uh, two quick housekeeping items. First of all, we've been hard at work on planning the next intensive, kind of our day-long meeting or workshop that we have as a research alliance. And this is the day before the start of the uh, Accord Network Forum. And so we'll be meeting on September 30th in Ridgecrest, North Carolina, just outside of Asheville, and I encourage you to look at coming this year. Maybe you've been to it before or haven't been yet. This will really be a great year to plug in and continue the conversation that we've been having as an alliance. And we're excited about the speakers we have that we've been lining up. And we'll be announcing those shortly. But um, you can head to the Accord Network website and find out some more details about getting registered for that event. And the second thing is just uh, if you're new to the podcast, I encourage you to subscribe and then maybe think about someone you could share this podcast with at your office or maybe a friend that you have, just anyone that you think would be interested in checking it out. Um, As host, we uh, love getting to have these conversations and we always learn a lot from our guests. So I'm sure um, you can think of someone that would also be interested and and would find it helpful to be listening to these conversations. But with that, uh, why don't we jump in and talk with Stacy? Well, thanks for being with me uh, today, Stacy. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yes, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so maybe to start, can you just tell us a little bit more about the Joint Learning Initiative and what it's all about? Sure. 
The Joint Learning Initiative on Faith in Local Communities, it's an international collaborative network that was founded in 2012. Uh, we focus on really what's the evidence of faith engagement and faith group contribution to achieving development and humanitarian goals. So we bring together academic researchers, um, people from non-governmental organizations, which are both faith-based as well as secular, and policymakers to really work on specific thematic areas that we think um, need a little um, change in regards to faith engagement. So whether that's change in programs or whether it's change in policy. So our main goals are really to focus on excellence and evidence. So we want to serve as a knowledge partner to improve quality management and accessibility of this evidence. Um, we also want to strive for excellence in communication. So communicating effectively to all of our target audiences that includes all of um, just the academics, policymakers, and practitioners that I've mentioned, um, and excellence in advocacy. So really encouraging change in key areas. So um, encouraging evidence-based policy with religious engagement. Um, so awesome. we also, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. We do also work mainly through our learning hubs and projects. So our main um, ways of doing that is asking kind of key questions about evidence. So first is really um, what's the evidence currently for local faith um, activity and impact? And what do policymakers and practitioners want to and need to know? And how can we better communicate that for change and collaborate to fill um, any critical research gaps? That's great. And maybe we can get into, you know, some of those more specifics uh, as, as far as those hubs here later. But I was just going to say, you know, I think from my perspective, I see JLI playing a really key role, um, helping to bridge some of those gaps uh, between the organizations and some of the policymakers and the researchers. And so I've always been really impressed with the work that you all do. And that's part of the reason I wanted to talk with you today. But uh, you mentioned the organization... Uh, or the initiative started in, in 2012, but I was curious, um, how long have you been with, uh, with JLI, and what is your specific role? Sure. Um, I've been at JLI for the last two and a half years. Um, first, mainly as the knowledge manager, uh, um, working to make sure our learning hubs were supported well and then really expanding out as we grew um, to also uh, manage our programs in general. Um, so uh, what I end up doing on a day-to-day -day basis can be um, a number of things from uh, grants management to uh, finance and operations to communications and web management. So anything I usually have a small hand in. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so yeah, so maybe before we get into more about JLI and, and some, some interesting questions there um, about faith and evidence, uh, I'd love to know just a little bit more about, about you. And so tell me more about your background and what made you interested in this kind of work. Sure. Um, I started most of my career kind of in community engagement. Um, I did a, 
a year or so teaching ESL to refugees locally in North Carolina, um, and then started um, just teaching um, kind of more health education with a breast cancer nonprofit um, before I realized I kind of needed more skills and went back for my master's in public health. Um, and uh, a lot of my work has really been mostly on chronic disease prevention here in the U.S. Um, and I'm definitely very interested in how um, disease prevention really fits into like a wider community development uh, strategy. Um, and I think seeing different contexts from like rural areas to urban areas, I became a lot more interested in like, how do you really holistically approach um, just solving problems on a community level. So um, I think a little bit of my own faith may have interested me when I heard, heard about this organization the first time, um, but also coupled with my kind of want to not only have a job, but also to keep working on um, community engagement at different levels, not just like locally. Um, the JLI was kind of a good fit to um, see more of how policy comes into play at an international and government level. Awesome. Yeah, having a having a job's always good, but it's all <laughs> it's also better when you get to work on the things you're passionate about. So, um, so that's really cool. Thanks for sharing. Um, so now switching gears a little bit, uh, as you know, some of you may know if you were at the Accord Research Alliance intensive uh, this past year that Jean Duff spoke at. Um, she was really in encouraging the organizations in the room to think about how to collect better evidence about the work that faith groups are doing. And I know that's a big theme of what JLI does um, across the board. And so um, you're probably preaching to the choir a little bit here with our podcast listeners, but um, maybe as a starting point, why should faith-based organizations care about evidence? Sure. Um, faith groups, I think, in general, have a lot of different reasons to want to care about evidence. Um, a few of the ones that I think are most important to consider are really that evidence increases accountability. Um, it's not only to really ensure that an organization is effective, but it that's learning, and it's able to measure the activities and results of programs. Um, evidence also makes sure that um, an organization is committed to their mission um, and that their underlying motivations to serve the community is actually um, continued. And in a lot of cases, I think that faith groups especially want to reach out to those who are um, kind of poor, more vulnerable. So being able to actually reach some of these larger goals of ending poverty or disease and um, kind of responding to d disaster or conflict, um, faith groups have to be able to have effective and efficient programs. So that means that they have to be guided by evidence. Um, evidence also can help organizations to increase their reach. Um, so not only would you have to document currently um, kind of what activities are going on, but also analyze, um, are you reaching who you want to reach? Do you need to collaborate more with others? And evidence helps make those decisions um, better. Um, and lastly, I think 
One thing about faith groups that may set it apart is um, often um, faith uh, has a more holistic nature, it thinks, and it kind of addresses people's more spiritual side. Um, and this is not always something that can be captured by metrics that we currently have, but I think it's something to really think about. Um, and a lot of groups are trying to kind of figure out the best way to approach this last one, but um, this evidence of kind of spiritual growth and um, spiritual metrics is something that could help a lot of faith groups um, in other applications to say like this is what makes their work unique. Um, awesome, yeah, and um, I think that last point uh, you really hit the nail on the head there, um, and, and I think that brings up the some questions that I have when I just when I hear just talking about evidence. I mean, I think there's always a question of you know what is evidence or what kinds of evidence um, matter, and I think in the at least in the international development world, you know, a lot of that gets tends to be quantitative, and, and which doesn't always lend itself well to some of these uh, when you're thinking about spiritual well-being or some of these even social aspects perhaps um, that you might be working toward in a holistic way. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of questions there that that can bring up, but I guess just continuing to think about evidence kind of broadly, what, I mean, do you have any recommendations for faith groups or faith-based organizations that are just getting started with this idea of collecting evidence or ones that have been doing it for a while do you have any recommendations of how we can start getting better at our efforts for collecting evidence? And maybe specifically as we think about, you know, the holistic change um, that many of us care about that, that you mentioned earlier. Right. I do think there are quite a few things um, for both of those groups. So um, I would suggest that organizations think about developing a theory of change. Um, so, I mean, this would really um, be something that maps out how an organization and their programs make an impact in their community and really thinking about what drives that change as well. Um, and a lot of the times, I guess, theory of change is also kind of a packed word in a way it kind of sounds jargony and by kind of it is definitely so I think it's more of just how is it working um, and how has that organization seen um, changes and what's really the ultimate outcome that they're looking for and kind of mapping step by step what that looks like um, would really help first um, and then based on that they can use that to start planning how to really use that um, for developing kind of measurement and other types of metrics that would really fully capture their impact. Um, and then they can use that hopefully to get data that they can communicate to other people. So whether that's um, their donors that they're trying to communicate to or general um, like the academic community um, or other audiences, um, if there's other target audiences. Um, and I think in all of that process, it's really thinking through how do you uh, learn as you go and like get the right people involved to really think through that whole process. So it's not just um, 
siloed in one part of the organization, but really the whole organization kind of picks up this new way that they found that their organization works and then helps to drive um, the future steps of that organization. Um, and I think also just along the way, being willing to learn and correct what they think might have been right, but then they find is different when they start um, to write this down. Yeah, I'm a huge proponent of developing theories of change. I, I think that's exactly right, and it, it gets you headed in the right direction. It, you know, it can clarify what type of research you might want to do or what type of evidence you feel like is most necessary, you know, based on your theory of change. And if you are involving a lot of, of, of people in the process, as you mentioned, I think the process itself can be um, just as valuable to the organization as you know the actual finished theory of change product that you can you know have a nice diagram of or whatever. So yeah, so I think that's a that's a really good place to start. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I guess kind of maybe thinking you know specifically now about some maybe different faith based organizations that you've interacted with through uh, the different hubs that you mentioned or uh, just your time at JLI. Is there anything interesting or unique in terms of, of metrics or specific measurements that you've seen uh, some of these faith-based organizations working on that you think maybe other organizations would be interested in as well? I think that there's been um, some conversations in the past. I think some of these were probably maybe a few years ago, around 2015 by now. Um, and But I think that a lot of organizations, like for example, I think you've spoken in the past to International Care Ministries, um, and they've done quite a lot of work with their randomized controlled trial to actually build in an aspect that has uh, kind of the spiritual side built in. Um, and I think that is a really interesting way, especially since they're trying really overall to impact um, just poverty in the area, um, to look at all different types of measures. Um, I think there's a lot of other conversations going around, and uh, I, right now, um, some of those haven't been quite as active. Um, I would say um, the evidence working group that was part of the moral imperative was looking at some of this work. However, uh, in the past few years has kind of been a little bit on a hiatus, um, but it looks as if there's a few people who are pulling together some of their work on spiritual metrics and having some discussions. And I think um, one of those was IDO research. Um, however, we haven't necessarily been very involved with some of that work. A lot of our work has really been mostly um, with ICM and looking at how um, we kind of facilitate collaborations with some of the local partners that we have to encourage them to start to build their own metrics. So um, I was going to switch gears and just talk a little bit more about the JLI website because um, it's something that I found very helpful in just some different research I've done or sometimes just kind of poking around on there uh, to see what's available. And so it's something that if you're not familiar with it, uh, hopefully it's, you know, after this podcast, you can go check out their website because there are a lot of great resources um, there and kind of a resource hub actually um, available. But um, 
kind of curious from your perspective, Stacy, what you think, you know, if someone's coming to the website for the first time, what would be maybe the top one or two resources around maybe even this question of how to start gathering evidence or uh, maybe some of these the unique areas around faith-based groups gathering evidence? Are there one or two top resources that you would recommend? Yes, definitely. Um, and I guess first I'd encourage everyone to join the JLI as a member. It's free. You just fill out a form and um, tell us what you're interested in. Um, but then we also have all of our resources are open and available to anyone who's not a member. Um, so I would suggest first um, going to the Guide to Excellence and Evidence for Faith Groups. And so this is a resource that the Evidence Working Group um, hold together. Uh, it talks quite a lot about why do you, uh, faith groups need evidence and then how do you start getting better at evidence. And at um, the bottom of that, there's actually also um, not only different principles and suggested courses and resources that you could look into, um, but also examples of organizations um, kind of their own work in evidence. So some of it is very qualitative. So there's some on narrative-based impact assessment, um, and it's not all quantitative, though we also have that as well, um, focusing in on kind of how do you track um, the number of people served and services delivered. Uh, so there's actually a pretty wide variety of like small organizations and large organizations that have contributed to that. And I mean, that we would hope to build a little bit more once the evidence working group starts up again um, as well as um, the JLI has had a lot of topical uh, kind of learning hubs all of our hubs have had um, scoping studies so if there's a specific topic that you're looking for um, that also have, happens to have been a hub um, we have done kind of these three-part um, scoping studies that look at first kind of what's the lit literature saying about um, where and like how uh, faith groups are engaging within that topic and then we end up doing uh, focus case studies and key informant interviews and pull all of those together into kind of a larger scoping study so we have had a number of different hubs uh, retire in the past so those would be HIV and maternal health immunization, peace and conflict, um, and resilience. And we also have current learning hubs. A lot of those actually do have scoping studies already. Um, and uh, one of those is Refugees and Forced Migration actually has a two-part scoping study. And this their second part of their scoping study is coming out fairly shortly. Um, and then the other three of our active learning hubs are in the process of doing their scoping studies currently. So those, actually, it's not three. Sorry, it's the last two. Um, so that's anti-human trafficking and modern slavery, ending violence against children. And the one that I apparently have forgotten was um, gender-based violence. And that one actually has had kind of a multi-stage process, but also has a scoping study on kind of faith and gender-based violence. Um, and our very last one that's cross-cutting is mobilizing local faith communities, and that one is actually more of um, a, a general community that 
actually pulled together a theory of change on how um, like faith groups uh, work in communities uh, and mobilize to create change. And so they went through kind of more of a discussion, uh, not scoping study like process um, to create this new uh, theory of change that uh, that we found has actually um, gone and has been fairly applicable for many different organizations, not just the ones involved in that learning hub. That's wonderful. So just to recap a couple of things there, I know you mentioned you know being able to come to the website and sign up as a member. You can join for free. Um, some of these resources like the Guide to Excellence in Evidence, right, for faith groups. Yes. And then, so I was going to ask about these hubs, if someone's listening and is really interested in, in one of the current hubs and the topics there, is there a way for someone to get plugged into what's happening on an ongoing basis with those hubs, or what does that process look like? Right. They can definitely also sign up through the same um, kind of join as a member um, form and just say they want to join a hub. And all of those hubs will try to meet at least a couple times a year through Zoom. And any person who's interested is welcome to join those. We'll send an email out through the listserv before those meetings. Um, And uh, that's the one way to stay connected, um, as well as we also have a lot of thematic webinars um, that we've started. And this year we'll be doing quite a few on gender-based violence, a couple on refugees and migration. Uh, And we're starting a series on climate change. Um, That one we're kind of exploring because we know that quite a number of faith groups are very involved with that and we're seeing whether or not uh, there's a need for a learning hub uh, but first we're kind of going to focus on um, what's currently kind of the practice in um, addressing climate change and then uh, we'll focus a little bit on interfaith interventions uh, then we'll switch to kind of research and the academic side and lastly we'll have some on advocacy and so a lot of our learning hubs also actually follow that model so um, really when we start off all of our learning hubs we focus very heavily on trying to build the evidence on what's currently out there but then um, as each of our hubs kind of uh, evolve and go to the next phase um, we'll try to communicate that evidence and then advocate for uh, changes in policy and practice very cool Um, maybe to kind of wrap up here we can go back personal a little bit here and i was just curious what you would say would be maybe the two to three most interesting books you've read in this past year that you would recommend to others? Uh, I have read quite a few books, actually, because I ended up deciding I would read 30 books in a year, uh, which I don't usually write down all of the books I've read, so uh, hopefully (laughs) I have done that. Yes. Um, So this year, I think... um, the first one I'd mention would be The Spirit Catches You and, and You Fall Down. And I know that's a really, really old book, actually, but is um, really interesting and talks about the Hmong people and a case study of um, a small, young baby who was born with epilepsy and how her doctors um, 
had some miscommunications in understanding kind of the Hmong people as a culture and religion and uh, that they have and really highlights the need for a really holistic understanding of people rather than just seeing them as people who need to be treated. Um, And then the second book I would recommend is Factfulness. And I think that came out a few years ago and it's from the people who made Gapminder. Um, And so Gapminder is this amazing software, if you haven't seen it, that just puts data into different types of graphs and visually fun, like bubble um, things. And it's great. I could probably stare at that all day. But factfulness is kind of a follow-up to say that um, the facts that we know about the world um, may not be as accurate as we think they are um, and encourages you to really like have a process for testing uh, the facts that you hear as well as um, kind of making sure that you maybe have a base knowledge of like the especially with development like what facts are actually true and the ones that we might want to know Um, And then lastly, just on a slightly less data um, type of thing, uh, I would recommend uh, Born a Crime. It's by Trevor Noah and just talks about his um, own story in South Africa growing up. And uh, he has quite a bit of humor in it, but it's also a very um, good perspective on a different uh, just way that the world works. Very good. Yeah, those uh, sound like great recommendations. I haven't read any of those yet, um, but we'll have to check those out. And I was, as you're talking about the Spirit Catches You book, I, I feel like uh, one of our previous guests also recommended that. So I can't think of who right now, but um, but that's I think that's a sign that um, it's a book I need to check out. So um, so thanks for doing that. Last question would just be, you know, if people want to find out about more about JLI, um, where should they go to? What's your what's your website? Sure, they should go to jliflc.com, and uh, from that page, you can sign up to be a member, learn about our learning hubs, and look through our resources library. Perfect. Well, I'll put a link to that and the books you recommended as well in the in the show notes, but I really appreciate um, you coming on. I um, am excited about how the Accord Research Alliance and JLI um, we're continuing to find ways to, to work together, and um, hopefully it's um, a great resource for Accord members. You, you'll find good resources there, and uh, more than that, hopefully we can continue to contribute to these really important conversations that uh, you're helping to facilitate. So, uh, so thanks again. No problem. Thank you. Yeah, have a great day.